The reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. This is the word of God. Good morning. My name is Ollie Benyon and it's wonderful to have you join us this morning. Um, we have come to the end of our preaching series entitled Unexpected Answers and how Jesus challenged the, the current worldview and gave a more kingdom perspective. And today we're looking at the story of the empty tomb, the women who, who, who found the tomb empty and the angel's unexpected answer to them. Now don't worry, we haven't skipped forward to, to Easter and missed Christmas altogether, um, though if you, you know, you could, and Matt Hancock is correct about things returning to some form of normality in, uh, around that time, then maybe you'd be tempted to, to fast forward the next uh, six months. This season, though, it has been particularly uh, challenging. You know, what we once took for granted, our, our health, our liberty, our jobs, our families, all suddenly feel um, rather fragile. For many, for many people, uh, this is the first time in their lives where uh, they've realized that the kind of fragility of life. You know, we may have asked, found ourselves asking, God, you know, where are you in this, in this global mess? As we look at these first followers of Jesus on that very first Easter morning, you'd imagine they would have been thinking something similar. You know, where is God now? Up until Good Friday, they believe that since Jesus was Israel's coming king, then no harm could happen to him. You know, they were protected if they hung around with Jesus. Surely 
God wouldn't allow his one and only son to die on a cross. And then suddenly, seemingly out of the blue, bam, it, it happened. Today, most of us would never have believed that with all our medical advances, that a virus would be able to come along and you know, ultimately kind of shut down the world economy. Uh, because surely, uh, you know, medicine would, would jump in and save the day because that's what's happened often in the past. But that has not happened. And COVID doesn't have the monopoly on, on unexpected tragedies. You know, throughout our lives, we have and we are going through and we will face challenges that will, that, that will make the things that we hold so dear crumble away. You know, careers will come to an end. We will face sickness. Relationships may unravel. Ultimately, we will die. And so this week, uh, you know, uh, my daughters were even speaking about this subject and talking about, um, you know, faith and what it means to be a Christian. And we were trying to give some helpful answers and directions for them. And, but ultimately, what they were hoping for is that when you become a Christian, then surely... You know, tragedies and suffering, that, should, that shouldn't happen. You know, God should be able to, to fix all those things straight away. And Lois and I you know, know all too well that, that is not, that's not the case. That as we go through life, we, we have to learn to hold the, the terrible and the beautiful together, the sorrow and joy that go hand in hand as we, as we journey through life. And one of our desires as, as parents uh, is for our children to grow up strong disciples of Jesus. That no matter what life throws their way, no matter what type of kind of COVID tragedy comes along in their, in their lives, that they would have a strong faith in Jesus. And that is my prayer for my children. And it is my prayer for, for um, HT and, and um, all believers so the story we're looking at today began for those first followers of Jesus as one of incredible anguish and despair. Their saviour, their king, the one they'd been following and gave up their whole lives to follow was dead. Where is God now? I know that as I'm speaking, we are going through this this current global situation and that many listening will also be facing their own individual pain and, and sorrow and grief. And in those times, we can often ask, you know, where is God now? How can we, how can we hold on to hope during this season? And I want us to look at this passage and see some just common responses to, to tragedy and how the resurrection of Jesus can anchor us and give us hope in our, our times of great distress. The first thing uh, in times of tragedy is that we can forget the teachings of God. We forget the teachings of God. Jesus, he invested a lot of time trying to prepare the disciples about what was going to happen. According to John's Gospel, Jesus spent hours instructing, preparing and warning them about it. They knew the plan. And we're even told it grieved them. On one occasion, when Jesus was, was telling them about what was happened, about his death and his resurrection, 
that Peter was so uh, uh, enraged by it, he took Jesus to one side and he said to him, never, Lord, this will never happen to you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You see, the disciples, they knew the plan, but now tragedy had struck. Uh, Jesus had been arrested. Uh, he had been tried. He had beaten and he'd been crucified. And suddenly, like the, like the delete button in their heads had been pushed and, and they, they forgot it all of what was meant to happen. No one remembered the words of Jesus. No one was expecting the resurrection on that first Easter morning. It was only the angels prodding that kind of turned the cogs in, the, in those women's minds. And they started, as they stared into the tomb, they suddenly remembered the words that Jesus had said to them. In C.S. Lewis's story of the Chronicles of Narnia in the book, The Silver Chair, um, there is a scene where Aslan tells Jill, who's one of the main characters, to remember what is, what is true, regardless of where they find themselves. <clears throat> and it says this, Aslan says this, remember, remember, remember the signs. Say them to yourself when you wake up in the morning and when you lie down at night, and when you wake up in the middle of the night, and the signs will not look as you, um, as you expect them to look. That is why it is so important to know them by heart. As the women walk to the tomb, the resurrection was the last thing on their minds. They had, they had forgotten it. They are consumed with grief. And like these women, I know that when tragedy strikes, uh, we, we, can, we can struggle to hold on to the promises of God. You know, I know there are seasons in my life where I have hit that delete button and God's truth and his promises have just been hard to grasp. But in John 1, we read this. In the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Psalm 119 verse 105, it says, Your Word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. In the same Psalm in verse 11, it says, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God, in His mercy, has, has made His Word and His promises available to us. And so I want to encourage you, whether you are at the moment on the mountaintops or you are in the valleys, to remember the promises and truth of God's teaching. You know, I am with you always. I will provide all your needs. I will give you peace. I am the way, the truth and the life. You know, remember, remember, remember the teachings of Jesus. So where is Jesus? He is in his word and he is the word. The secondly, uh, when we go through challenges of, of, tri of trials, we lose a heavenly perspective. We, 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 can, we can kind of almost drop our gaze. And we do this because, because of our pain. Can, can become, we can become blind to what God uh, is doing around us. The first followers of Jesus simply couldn't comprehend how God would, would be working through this tragedy. And in a similar way, we, similar way, we can be blind to what God is doing around us during, during this current pandemic. 24 hours earlier, the disciples had been enjoying a meal with Jesus. 
they couldn't comprehend the fact that he, he was now dead and he was buried. The hands that healed the sick now lay lifeless. The, the, the mouth that spoken with such beauty and authority was now silent. The feet that had walked bringing the good news were now bloodied and bruised and lying motionless dead in the tomb. Where is he now? Where is Jesus now? Well, we find a bit of God's plan in verse 7 of our passage. The angel says this, The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. The angel was quoting Jesus and the word uh, must in this, in this verse is really key. It had to happen because it was part of God's plan to accomplish the, the forgiveness of sins. All this suffering, all this pain had to happen for God's plan. Now, I'm not saying that this pandemic is part of God's plan, but I do know that uh, it hasn't taken God by surprise. Now, and I can't um, comprehend why God would allow such a, uh, such a thing to, a virus to attack this world. But I do know that God can bring good out of great suffering and great evil in our world. I want us to look at the Apostle Paul briefly. Paul, he probably knew suffering more than most of us ever will. And he writes in Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7, probably some of the best words in Scripture. He says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, by and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, the author uh, Max Licardo, in his book, Anxious for Nothing, he says this, to read Paul's words, you would think he'd, he'd just arrived at a Jamaican holiday, a beach hotel. His letter to the Philippians bears not one word of fear or complaint. Not one. He never shakes his fist at God. Instead, he lifts his thanks to God and calls his readers to do the same. He lifts his head. He lifts his thanks to God and calls his readers to do the same. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. But how can a person uh, obey this command? Surely we are, we're not able to, have, to maintain an uninterrupted uh, kind of spirit of gladness. No, and this is, this is not Paul's challenge to us. We are urged to rejoice in the Lord. The verse is a call. Not, not a feeling, but, but a decision. And uh, one is, that is deeply rooted in the confidence that God exists, that he is in control, that he is good. No matter what happens around us, no matter how difficult things come, we know God is on the throne. When the first uh, lockdown started, 
Lois and I, alongside some members of HT, um, they, we started a weekly prayer gathering uh, and uh, we, uh, we were meeting in person and as a church and there was a member of the ch congregation were doing that but w during the pandemic we started meeting online and we'd been praying every Wednesday since the end of March and every time we meet uh, we always start with by, uh, by giving a, a space of thanks. Um, we don't do this just because we're trying to keep a stiff upper lip attitude in the face of difficulties. We do it because that is what God has asked us to do. It's a command to us. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. And there is a quote from Max Ricardo that I love that I think is really important for us to hear. And that is, it says this, God answer for, for troubled times has always been the same. Heaven has an occupied throne. I love that. Heaven has an occupied throne. Jesus is on the throne. That is where he is right now. You see, when we praise the Lord, when we acknowledge his goodness, we actively lift our gaze towards Jesus on the throne, towards the throne. And, and through the pain and the suffering, we can see, no matter what is going on, we can see Jesus on the throne and so where is God I believe he's in our praises in our in our gratitude as we lift our, our gaze to him as he sits on the throne and finally the thirdly we in times of tragedy we 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 withdraw we we isolate ourselves after the angel spoke to the women at the empty tomb it then says that the women went back to the disciples at the time, the disciples were, were carrying behind closed doors, bags packed, waiting for the situation to calm down so they could leg it and not be the next group of people who were strung up and crucified for their faith. To the early disciples, the words of these women seemed like nonsense. It made no sense at all. And they, they kind of rebuked them and they mocked them when they came in. It's not because they were unspiritual. It's because they're in a state of grief, hopelessness, fear and, and and they felt that they were alone when we face tragedy we can we can often isolate this is normal response in the face of pain but in isolation we are unable to see God at work in other people's lives and we can't be encouraged by other people's testimonies you know I'm I'm a passionate believe the church. Uh, you know, I love the church very much. And uh, the church is all of us. It is us gathered together as a community of believers. And I believe that together we, we, can, we are strong in the face of adversity and do challenges and trials. My, my wife, uh, Lois, she attends Connections every week. This is a women's group that meets on Thursday. It's a Bible study. And she's often coming back saying how encouraged and built up she is, how much she loves spending time with people from different ages and stages of life and uh, how important that time is for her. I know many of you are part of home groups and how wonderful that is. And I'm so thankful to all our home group leaders who have kept going during this during having to do their groups online and it's been I know for many many people this has been incredibly encouraging for for you I know the importance for our youth group at the moment to be gathering together and how important it was when when we were allowed to meet on site for those for a few months or so uh, how important that was and I just encourage you if you're parents of young people to make sure your young people go and be part of these groups of that group because 
because we are called to be in relationship. We can't do this on our own. We need one another. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27 says this, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. So where is God in face of tragedy? Well, he is in the body of Christ. He is in you. He is in me. And and we need one another during this season. And just to finish, the story, it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with the resurrection, you know, because Jesus uh, was seen alive by his disciples. And the rest of Luke chapter 24 recounts all these kind of times when the disciples met him. And the rest of the New Testament talks about how Jesus revealed himself over a 40-day period. And on one occasion was met by um, over 500 people. And when each of these people encountered the risen Lord Jesus, their, their, all doubts were dispelled. In other words, when we personally encounter the, the risen Lord Jesus, not just in our head, but in the core of our being, you know, we, we discover hope and even joy in, in times of tragedy. This doesn't mean we won't struggle and go through points of real tragedy and trial uh, and our faith won't be you know, challenged. Of course it will. But by remembering the teachings of Jesus, but by gaining a, a heavenly perspective and lifting our gaze and by being the body of Christ, you know, we, will, we will recover hope in tragedy. Through the years of doing ministry, I've often had conversations with people who are going through loss. And in that time, they can find it really difficult to feel that God is with them during that time. And can find it really difficult to hear from people like myself that, that, that sticking close to God and reaching out to God is important. It's hard to hear. Now, if you're in that place, then I want to say to you, there is no shame of being in that place. You see, God, uh, as we're going to be celebrating in the next month, God came to earth in the form of a baby. You know, Jesus was born in a cold, messy, smelly stable. And God chose this place. And I believe he's saying to all of us, I am with you in your mess. I am with you uh, in, in your pain. Wherever your situation is at the moment, I am with you. So where is Jesus now? He is in the word. Uh, He is in our praise as we lift up our gaze to him. And he is in each one of us as we do church and we do life together. He has not abandoned us. His plan is not driven off course dependent on what happens in the world. But he is alive and he's bringing hope and joy to all those who come to him. Because Jesus, he lives in you and me. Let's pray together. Lord, we we thank you for the gift of your resurrection and what it has done by allowing us to be in your family. And Lord, as we navigate these challenging times, help us to trust in your word. And no matter how difficult things go, Lord, help us to hold on to your word and your promises. Lord, to help us to have a heavenly perspective of what you are doing at the moment. Now help us to lift our gaze to what you are doing. And Lord, help us to to lean on one another, to learn from one another, to share our lives with one another, to encourage one another during this season. Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit 
to, to, to make this real for us this morning. In your mighty name, amen. We're now going to come into a time of prayers.